Tom was going back to university the next day. I was ironing the last few bits and pieces that he needed. Quarter past seven, the phone rang, and it was a PC whose name I can't remember. And of course, as soon as I heard that on the phone, I knew that there was something terribly wrong. Tom Belmont was just 19 years old when he died desperately trying to save his 16-year-old friend. The pair had gone to the popular surfing beach of Polzeff in North Cornwall. Their deaths are made even more tragic by the fact that both were still alive when the Auxiliary Coast Guard arrived. Tom was even being pulled towards safety by a nearby rope. Ironically though, the rope was the only rescue equipment at the beach, as the Coast Guards had arrived empty-handed. Up until approximately four years ago, every Coast Guard station in this country was fully manned and had a full range of rescue equipment. They decided that there needs to be a 20% cut in the Coast Guard manning levels, auxiliary Coast Guard manning levels, as a money-saving venture. Viv Roberts is a senior auxiliary Coast Guard. He, like hundreds around the country, are an integral part of the Coast Guard system. They provide part-time support and dedicated service. But he also voices a growing concern that the cuts may not only have saved money, but also may have cost lives. They decided here in Cornwall that they would leapfrog every other station and make them what they call an initial response team. This means that all the equipment would have been withdrawn, the building here would have been sold, and the Land Rover would have been withdrawn. My numbers would have been cut from 14 to 6. I would have worked from home using my own vehicle. The sum total of my equipment would have been a uniform, a torch, a map and a radio. Now all that protects most beaches is a council-provided rope. But amazingly, the ropes aren't designed for strenuous loads. They're good enough to pull a swimmer, holding a lifebuoy floating towards shore. But they're not adequate to lift a grown man vertically from the sea. These facts aren't obvious to the helpful public in the midst of crisis. Months before Tom died, another young man fell to his death, whilst being pulled to safety by the same kind of rope. At the inquest, Tom's father, David, showed the coroner evidence that he believed proved that better equipment would have saved lives. We decided to take photographs and maps. 12 photographs showing the beach, the rocks and so on. And, and the gully. We've marked here clearly where the, the level of the water was at the time of the incident. What did other witnesses actually tell the coroner's court? That the equipment that was used was basically woefully inadequate. What makes us angry is that the auxiliary coast guard turned up within five or six minutes to coordinate the rescue. But they turned up with yellow jackets with coast guard on, with torches and radios, without any equipment whatsoever. And they were basically voyeurs to the situation. Powerless onlooker is not the traditional image of our coast guard. But the two officers involved that day feel that the sentiment sums up the events. In this particular instance, there was a feeling of complete helplessness and eventually desolation, despair, anger, a whole range of emotions. It felt terrible. You know, I've got children of my own and, and, and John's got a boy that serves at Paul's death. And uh, it just felt terrible to see the person basically fighting for their lives and, and standing there and can't do nothing about it. We're trained to do, to do for rescue and we now have the equipment here to do anything for them. Although it's the local authority that owned the rope and provided the beach protection, they didn't want to discuss the matter. The Coast Guard, however, denies that their current provision is in any way lacking. In fact, they've just announced that rescue equipment will now be permanently sited at Pulseth. 
The regional controller is Peter Diamond. Well, we have a process of uh, continuous review of coastal search and rescue resources in the service. And uh, we recognise that uh, the levels of leisure activity in and around the Paulsdorf area have increased over the years. And uh, we feel that uh, we should respond accordingly by actually now providing rescue equipment in that area. The fact that the people at Paulsdorf are now getting ropes and harnesses is obviously very, very good news. But I'm afraid it doesn't go far enough. It is really only the tip of the iceberg. Some fear that unless there is additional government expenditure, providing more equipment at one location means no equipment at another. Even if this isn't the case, Senior Auxiliary Coast Guard Viv Roberts is still concerned. The whole setup that the Coast Guard have in place at the moment for rescuing people around this coast is inadequate. I don't think the thousands of people that come to the southwest, and Cornwall in particular, realise just how dangerous it is here. This is the Atlantic coast. We have high cliffs, very dangerous cliffs. And we, as auxiliary coast guards, are expected to go out and save them, and they expect us to be there. When I consider that our manning levels and our equipment levels are insufficient for us to carry out that job satisfactory and safely. The need for a totally effective service is highlighted by the fact that Tom and his friend were experienced surfers. They'd frequently visited the beach. We're looking for a, a longboard or a shortboard? Or... Well, shortboard, really. Are you a, a beginner? Or... But a growing number of boarders are virtual novices, lacking in local knowledge and respect for the sea. John Baker is from Devon and Cornwall's Beach Advisory Committee. They represent lifeguards, local authorities and rescue services. For him, it's more a question of education than equipment that's required. We have uh, numerous children who are still taking inflatables and airbeds into the sea. One little child rescued a mile offshore in the South Devon area. Many have to be assisted out of the surf even when a red flag was flying. A substantial number of children who regularly bodyboard are non-swimmers. Many do not have leashes for their boards and do not wear wetsuits and the vast majority do not recognize that when they're riding in on a wave, it means invariably that they're out of their depth. You're surfing, are you? Yeah, I'm going down. You're yeah. not going in on your own? No. Okay. Adam is still at college, but Remember, living next door to Paul's Eth's beach, he's well trained and respects the sea. I go surfing basically every day when they surf. Here's my board, which is in the cupboard. Here we have the leash. There's a plug which goes through the board and there's a piece of string tied to the plug and also to the leash. You've got to make sure every time that you go in surfing that it's nice and secure because if a big wave comes in, knocks you off and the leash breaks, then that's basically your lifeline gone. So as Adam's just about to go out, I mean, do, do you worry about him when he's on his own? If he was knocked unconscious, what then? You know, there's nobody there. Often they'll go in and they'll stay in till dusk. I'm always sort of emphasising that, you know, if anything happened, if you got hit on the head or you caught your head on a rock, that you'd be on your own and there'd be nobody there. So I think it's always very important for them to go in in groups. Um, so as we go down to, towards the beach, what, what sort of things have you actually seen then in terms of, of people who maybe don't live locally, who obviously don't know the dangers? The wave actually comes in and heads towards the wall and I've seen people take off not knowing what they're doing. They've come off, they've got bounced off the bottom and they've actually gone into the wall. They can suffer bad injuries and even be paralysed or knocked unconscious. Stuff as severe as that is quite easily done. Even though novices are increasingly taking to the seas and concerns over safety are never far away, 
John Baker believes that all visitors are relatively safe. After all, he says, most rescues end in success. So you see, there's concrete proof that the Coast Guard system is working. Needless to say, again, they are appraising their resources and their operational responses. But isn't there something fundamentally wrong when councils are providing ropes that are not really labelled or clearly aimed at members of the public to be able to use, and Coast Guards don't have enough equipment to fulfil their function? There is no mandatory uh, responsibility on councils to provide lifeguard services. If we're talking about rescue torpedo boys, I grant you, if the appliance is there, you will use it. But it doesn't mean to say that the design of that appliance is intended for, in this case, cliff rescues. Shouldn't then the design be changed and a different rope be employed? One therefore has to demarcate whose responsibility it is for cliff rescues and who has the responsibility for beach and water rescues. And that's the big decision. But such assurances cut no ice with Tom Bellman's parents. They want to see more government money and no more deaths. To make sure that this grey area of who's responsible for rescues from the beach and who's responsible for rescues from the cliff resolve between them. And the last thing I'd like to say is that when the initial response teams come along that they, they don't just look but they, they're actually able to effect a rescue and to do something positively.